the Flex Success Podcast, where we teach you how to be less shit. Covering all things science relating to nutrition, training, recovery, and more. Who knows, we might even sprinkle in a dick joke or two. <laughs> Spaghetti? Spaghetti. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone. We're here with my lovely self. Usually I'd say the lovely you. And this <laughs> Flex Says podcast, joined by our wonderful coach, Shannon. How are you, Shannon? Hey, Shannon. Hey, how's it going? It's going good. Where in the world is Shannon? That should be a segment on this. That should be a segment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Currently in New York, but soon to be in Florida, and then Hawaii, and then back to Australia. <laughs> For those of you that don't uh, know Shannon or anything about Shannon, she doesn't have a home. She just travels, the world is her home. She just travels, spends a month or two here and there, mm -hmm. sees where the, the seas take her, really. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Shannon the Nomad Beard. Shannon the Nomad Beard. So if anyone hasn't picked up on the accent yet, Shannon's from the UK, from Essex. You're right. Yes, hopefully you will never know that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, spilt the beans. Um, but doesn't like spending, what, three, more than three weeks at a time at home? Is that the rule? Yeah, if I can avoid it, then I will. I'd rather see my family, rather they came to visit me. Um, but sometimes, yeah, I go home every now and then, say hello, and then I leave. <laughs> just so they know you're alive and that you're not just a recording yeah. online that <laughs> yeah. by the name of Flex Success has stolen your face for and then just uses your content for their own greater good. Something like that. They would never know if I was actually still at home, just in someone else's house and just posting stuff online, pictures from around the world. They wouldn't know. <laughs> That's so uh, funny. Fake traveling. That's, it's gone. <laughs> so do you have intentions of uh, quitting your full-time travels anytime soon, Shan, or do you see yourself doing it for a long time? Um, I don't know. I can barely think more than like one or two months ahead um, at the moment, but probably not for a while. I think at least next year we'll continue on pretty much the same way this year's gone. Okay. Yeah, super cool. That is cool. That is really cool. Um, I'm sure our listeners have gathered that we are online coaches. So regardless of where we are in the world, we can keep up with our clients and other projects we've got going on. So it's not like, you know, Shannon doesn't have a job. She does and she does it well, but she just does it from anywhere where there's the interwebs. Yes, it's true. But other than that, Shannon, I suppose uh, for anybody who isn't familiar with you, but are familiar with Flex, like they shouldn't know you already. Yes. Who are you, what do you do, and why do you do it? So I am a flex coach. Um, I help people achieve body composition goals or performance goals, and also just to improve. I find myself working with people who need to improve their relationship with food as well. That often comes into it. And why I do what I do. I think because I enjoy food, I also like to train and I like to feel good and I like to help other people achieve that as well. And I think ultimately I'm coming from a place where I want people to feel good about themselves and in control, but also so that they can go on and do other things with their life as well. Like I don't think your body image or your relationship with food should hold you back from doing other things and having a decent life. That's pretty much why I think. Love it. Love it. Uh, now, today we wanted to talk about the book that 
is coming out slash is out depending on when this podcast goes live because we're about what two weeks away from the book releasing aren't we yeah, um, the day of this recording so if this comes out in a couple of weeks the book will be live but um we wanted to kind of open the floor shannon to just get you to introduce the topic of the book why we found the need to to write the book when i say we full credits for shannon to actually writing the book um but as a whole the team decided it was an important topic for various reasons. So tell the listeners, Shannon, why did we find it important? I think we decided to write the book because we all know that, you know, fat loss is difficult, but what's even more difficult is maintaining your results once you've got, you know, what you wanted to achieve. So we saw a huge opening for it because it's often a topic that's pretty neglected by the fitness industry, even though it's probably one of the most important things for most people. And it's also something that is weight maintenance. Um, so once you've reached your goals, how do you maintain what you've achieved and also go about the rest of your life? Because when it comes to a fat loss approach, often you'll prioritize that for the, the length of time that it takes to reach your desired body composition. But then how do you go about maintaining that whilst also making room for the other important things in your life as well, like socializing with friends or eating out? So it's all about how to find the, the balance and kind of don't really like that word, but I think what we're talking about here is how to achieve a synchronicity between your body composition and all the other important aspects of health as well. So like your, like I said, the social relationships um, and having a, a stress-free approach. We wanted to direct the book towards people who have used a macro tracking approach to achieve their results. And we often find that it can be difficult for people to let go when they know what works for them and they've used that approach and found confidence and kind of structure in that. How do they then transition away from tracking macros whilst also still maintaining those results that they've worked so hard to achieve? Yeah. Yeah. What we've found the difficulty with people who can't let go of tracking macros is they feel like they can't eat out with their friends because they can't be, you know, to the T knowing how much carbs and fats they're eating. Or they might exclude themselves from a family dinner. They might just not go because they feel like, well, I can't control exactly, you know, every macro that goes in my mouth. So social isolation starts to occur or anxiety around food. Um, and I've actually seen relationships. One of our friends got a divorce recently um, because they just can't let go of of his of his food and his, his wife was over it um man and we just hate seeing that because we know that it's so unnecessary certainly it's necessary to have a big focus on food during the weight loss phase as you mentioned mm -hmm. but it was just so sad for us to see that people didn't know how to move out of that um because they, they feared gaining the weight back which is actually quite a legitimate fear because what are the stats? Oh, less than 5% of people maintain their weight loss long-term. After five years, and most of them gain more back. Mm. But um, I think it's an interesting topic because like Shannon, I know that you're quite uh, big on talking about trying to remove the dichotomous thinking around like what is good, what is bad, particular diet types being the be all and end all and not. And it's kind of actually a problem, I think, in our industry now with the approach of coaching. So like this yeah. book, this book kind of stemmed out of a necessity as far as I'm concerned, 
for it to be put into the industry because it's lacking, just like Flex did. Like the industry was lacking people that had that one gave a shit, and then secondly, actually have an evidence-based approach. So sort of Flex started to to grow, and this book is similar because when you look at uh, coaching online and in person, people go to achieve a goal, and the goal is only ever considered to be an endpoint of success when they achieve X body composition. There's never, like, when do you ever see people promote the goal of maintenance or, like, get to this and then learn how to live your life? It's always just, like, this is your before and after. See ya. Well done. Like, yeah. Goal from, achieved. Yeah, it's, it's true. I mean, a lot of coaches are after a good before and after picture so they can promote their own skills and don't really care or and don't really know how to get that person to, to maintain it. Mm. So I actually remember the meeting where this all began. We had a, a big uh, team meeting with all the coaches and it was actually Coach Nick um, that was just, because I, I don't count my macros every day, but I did for a very long time, like years. Mm -hmm. And so I know from you know, gaining the skills uh, of understanding what I'm eating and what I need to eat to maintain my goals. Now that I have those skills, I can just eyeball my food. And I know that if I eat something deep fried for dinner, the next day is probably going to be mainly meat and veg. Um, and so Nick was saying, well, actually, I don't like the idea of intuitive eating. It wasn't just Nick that said that because we're not intuitively eating. We've learnt things during our time counting macros. And I'm just, you know, over those skills are overflowing into my everyday life where I'm not counting macros anymore. Mm. And we didn't really have a name for it, which we now call informed eating. Um, Shannon, I think you came up with that name, didn't you? Informed eating. Yeah, we yeah. had a bit of a discussion, didn't we? A bit of back and forth. But yeah, we had heaps yeah. of different little terms. And then I think in, like we were always like, we're making informed choices. Yeah, so, right. so in the end, we landed on that and came up with the three pillars would be um understanding your needs nutritional knowledge and your personal preferences so they're the three pillars of informed eating um and we're really really all pumped as a team to produce a product aka the book that will help people you know find balance in their life and live their life without going backwards in their goals because who wants to do all that work well dieting is hard <laughs> yeah and then for no reason yeah, that, that sort of success, that success of dieting is not an end in itself, yeah. which is sort of where this has all come from. So, Talk to us about maintenance, Shannon. What does it mean uh, to maintain a goal or to maintain your body weight? Yeah, sure. I think there is a misconception about what maintenance actually means. It doesn't mean remaining the exact same body weight for the rest of your life. Weight fluctuations are normal and even body fat fluctuations are normal as well within a certain range. So we looked at the weight maintenance literature and in general, it seems that a body weight fluctuation of around 3% or less over the course of a year or more, if that's maintained within that range, then that can be considered maintenance. Because there may be times where, you know, you're going on holiday and you want to enjoy yourself so you eat a little bit more and you may gain like a pound or two and then when you get back to your regular day-to-day -day lifestyle that will probably come off once you get back into your routine and the habits that you've established so you don't have to be fixated on remaining you know whatever body weight you ended the diet on trying to maintain that the rest of your life. It's more so about maintaining the habits and the behaviors that got you there rather than focusing on a number on the scale. 
Because mm. maintaining those habits means that your body weight and composition will be more or less the same. Because really at the end of the day, unless someone is competing in a weight category, what the scales say mean sweet fuck all. <laughs> I mean, if somebody has a goal of being 60 kilos and once they're 60 kilos, they, feel, they still feel like a bag of dicks, 60 kilos, because it says that on the scales, isn't going to make them happy, no. Or if their goal is 60 kilos and they get to 65 and they're like, I feel fantastic, then 65 is more or less where they want to be. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I just think definitely definitely being married to the scales isn't helpful for anyone. Or, or I think it's... The number of people, that's the success, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, totally. it's, like, it's like somebody who says, I want to earn $100,000 a year. It's like up until $99,000, you're sad. And then the moment you get that extra thousand, you're happy. Yeah, yeah. But it's just not the way it works. Yeah, totally. exactly. And I think an issue with, uh, you know, being a fat loss approach is you do pay more attention to the scale because that's one of the ways that you made a progress. It doesn't have to be the deal one end all, but often that is something that most people fixate on. So now that you've achieved your results, what does that mean to you? And what, you know, should you seek to achieve and i think an issue that a lot of people have with weight maintenance is that they can feel directionless so well i don't have a goal to aim towards what am i trying to do here um so just defining what maintenance actually means to you i.e finding the balance between all the different aspects of your life that are important to you i think that's really beneficial to get that clear in your head and it makes actually achieving maintenance easier once you know what it really means Mm. And why it's important too, because if the goal is perpetual progress, then you're going to end up being a skeleton. Um, because I know a lot of people that are in a perpetual state of dieting and they're obviously doing it wrong because if they were doing it right and they were always dieting, they're getting leaner and leaner and leaner and leaner. And at some stage you're going to die. So <laughs> what ends up happening? Quite literally, and that well, sounded funny. The one, the one measure of health, we're talking physical health or physiological health, mm. actually starts to regress. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. If we're just talking about physical health, but if we're also talking about relationships and mood and energy and concentration, all of that regresses too. Mm. Yeah, it gets worse and worse. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, up to a point. So I do know friends that um, always want to progress but definitely drawing a line in the sand and saying, can, can, is it actually possible to progress forever? If we're talking about your squat, yeah, you probably can progress forever and, you know, to a point again. And diminishing returns obviously comes into play at some point too. But when it comes to your own body fat percentage, there needs to be maintenance at some stage. Otherwise, you're either yo-yo dieting continuing to fail or if you're doing it right you're going to die because mm. your body needs body fat to stay alive so yeah it's um <laughs> i think uh the misconception here is that maintenance doesn't allow for progression mm. but it does it just doesn't allow for a constant progression in scale weight regression yeah. so like you you can maximize the health of yourself physiologically very quickly with a dieting phase then you maintain weight that's a maintenance aspect but the maintenance of your life doesn't have to stagnate no. you can progress up the social you can progress up all of the other factors of health uh, that we've spoken about in in many of our sort of talks on instagram or whatever too because we're not just talking physical health here so yeah the book actually has a really great definition like a holistic look at what health really is and physical health body fat percentage being you know one of the many things in physical health is just one factor yeah 
financial health, social health, like there might not be room for holidays in a diet because you need to be training more frequently and on a program and more strict on your diet. But in a maintenance phase, it frees up room to go on a holiday or it frees up more time to look at your financial health stuff like that so i think the irony is as well that a lot of people you know embark on a fat loss journey in order to improve their physiological health but they kind of neglect their psychological health as well when Mm. our psychological health can have a true impact on our physiological health so we know that social isolation um increases mortality risk Mm -hmm. so if you're you know trying to be healthy but you won't eat out with friends because you're so scared of making an unhealthy choice then you may actually be actually like physically harming your health so it's kind of ironic um so taking a more holistic view i think can be really helpful to making more beneficial choices across you know all domains of health yeah Yeah. Can, can i just jump in and just quickly say that for those that are listening when we hear the term holistic most people Roll their eyes. associate that with naturopaths. Naturopaths, I was gonna say. Like not eating grains, <laughs> having spirulina drinks for breakfast, doing cunnilingi yoga. I didn't even say it properly because I don't do it. So I apologize for the, to the yeah. yogis out there that I messed that up. Um, no, you get Yeah, like holistic Mitch means like one within the entire environment considered. Mm. So when we say having a holistic approach to health, we are talking about all of those attributes. We're not talking about celery juice. (laughs) Although it does cure a lot of problems. Fuck off, Dean. (laughs) (laughs) I have a a friend who lives down the road who swears by celery juice. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Let's another can of worms, isn't it? Let's not go into celery juice. Let's not (laughs) do that. Um, yeah, so what I love is that we look at different aspects of health and it's all considered within the book because I have a friend who, well, hang on, just to, to take a back step there. I think a lot of people think of health as just being physical health. Mm. And obviously what we eat is a, a big portion of that, but then they ignore other portions of their health and they actually regress in health. So I have a friend who totally understands the issues with dieting. And um, when people do it wrong, they can have all sorts of disordered eating, um, social isolation, like we mentioned. They are so fixated on their physical appearance or the scales, and it really starts to mess with their mental health. So I have a, a friend who, which is why we need to learn how to do it properly. I have a friend who's all too aware of these things. And so she says dieting is bad. It's just terrible. What you need to do is just eat what your body feels like eating. Uh, Go out and eat with your friends. Don't worry about the scales, which is at the other extreme end and can also regress your health because we know that when people are obese, their risk of disease or heart disease goes up. They have more uh, impact on their joints. They feel sluggish. There's, There's so many negative health implications with being overweight. Um, and we can't just listen to our, what our body wants to eat because we're hardwired to want calorically dense food and also our body doesn't want to move around more. It doesn't want to lose weight. These are all survival mechanisms to keep us from you know, avoiding starvation um, and pain. Our body wants to avoid pain most of the time. So although we need to listen to our body, sometimes we need to learn when to do that. And every time a craving strikes, it doesn't mean we can satisfy it with whatever and how much we want. 
So it really is a balancing act um, with, with all things considered. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think we speak about that um, a lot in the book as well, about knowing the difference between hunger and appetite, mm. knowing what a craving is and why we experience cravings and why certain foods in particular we crave more than others. You know, very rarely do we crave vegetables. It's always those hyperpalatable, energy-dense foods that we crave. And there is a, a biological reason for that. It's a completely normal response to an abnormal food environment. So what we also talk about in the book is how to set up your environment, um, modify your exposure to external cues that influence your want to or your drive to eat particular foods. And that's one um, kind of often overlooked aspect, I think, of how to make weight maintenance easier as well, because we're, we're talking about what it means, but we also want to know how to achieve make weight maintenance and make it sustainable long term um, in the easiest way possible. So modifying your food environment is a huge part of that. And as we say, we, we're totally all for enjoying foods in moderation and having a more balanced outlook um, in terms of your food choices. But sometimes it's difficult to be able to quantify what moderation really means. So to keep those cravings under control, it's really important to pay attention to the environment that you're kind of living in day to day. Mm, totally. For listeners who don't know what Shannon means when she says hyperpalatable foods, she means foods that are high in fat and carbohydrates, usually salt as well, which are very tasty um, and have, been proven to be really difficult to maintain portion size, or sorry, to, to have balanced portion sizes or, or moderate them. Um, people are willing to spend more money on food that are higher in fat and carbs than they are in foods that are just high in carbs only or just fats only. Um, we actually reviewed a study on it on the Flex Success Research Review. It was called the super additive effects of combining uh, carbohydrates and fats on food reward that's the one yeah and and talks through how what when where why um and really gives us some some take-home tips on what we can do to help manage cravings and and portion sizes and whatnot as well and and companies because we we live in a capitalist environment people want to sell you their food products and they want you to eat a lot of it so you buy more of it they understand uh, the exact amount of fat and carbs and salts that make their food super delicious and they make it as tasty as possible so they can sell you more product. The old bliss point. Yeah, the old bliss point. But this is this is the really important thing for people to recognise is that it, you do live, or we do live in an abnormal food environment. Mm -hmm. If we took ourselves out of the world we currently live in, the likelihood is that we wouldn't have as many people suffering from obesity as we do. But the reason why they also, we, we do have a high rate of that is because one, the environment we're in, but I think two, also because of the sheer lack of understanding and knowledge around the hurdles that people have to jump now in order to sort of continue moving forward in life. Um, if I was to go and take a friend and drop them off at a mechanic and then just say, fix that car, the likelihood is that they're gonna fuck some shit up. They're gonna make mistakes. They're probably going to break some things and then they're not going to be able to fix it because they have no idea where to start because they haven't had the time or done the due diligence to learn everything. And while it's not necessary for people to learn the ins and the outs, at least if people can read through something like this and understand what they're up against, you know, that reward seeking behavior around high palatable foods, 
understanding what a craving is versus what real hunger is and all the rest of it, you can arm yourself with some tools mm. so that maintenance becomes more manageable as opposed to it just being a, oh, fuck it, I'll start my diet, diet again on Monday. Yeah, that's so true. Even the simplest, even the simplest uh, approach to understanding uh, some maths behind food. So like I have some clients currently that are coming out of the post-contest preparation phase for physique competitions. So they're in phases of essentially like long-term starvation to achieve exceptionally low body fat levels. They're in the unhealthiest state they can possibly be. Their reward-seeking behavior is through the roof. Like they're in an absolute shitstorm for failure when it comes to diet control. Yeah. Um, but if they eat 2,000 calories one day, the maximum impact that could have on them from a body fatness gain point of view is around about 180 grams because there's nine calories just on average, let's say, of uh, fat per gram gain. So like even if you ate over one day, if the goal is now maintenance, you move back into sta stabilized dieting, worst case scenario is you gain 150 to 200 grams of fat. Like that's nothing over a 60 to 100 kilo human. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but you don't know this unless you know what's going on. So yeah. um, I think that's like one of the coolest things about this application concept to mm. this book as well as people are going to really understand the why a little bit better. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you could say the same for injuries. Like if people have, someone has a migraine, for example, um, and they don't know why the migraine's occurring, then that's a shit time because you don't know what to fix. Um, whereas if you know the migraines occurred because you're dehydrated, oh great, I'll just drink some water then. Cool. So knowing why the problem's occurring means you can start to set up solutions, which is exactly what this is. Teaching people where they might be going wrong or where other people have gone wrong in the past, what to look out for and mm. how to fix it. Exactly. And I think most people, when it comes to maintenance and like general living of life, um, they want to be flexible. And in order to be flexible, you need to have some foundation of knowledge to know what you can manipulate, what trade-offs you're making and what's worth it. So we give some strategies for this in the book. Um, a common one is to how to approach eating out because that's something that is often neglected You know, during the dieting phase. We know that portion sizes are increasing. Most meals are um, far larger and contain far more calories than we, what we can kind of get away with in a fat loss phase. So you probably would restrict the frequency of eating out um, when you're trying to lose weight. When you've reached where you want to be, you're more than entitled to be able to go out and enjoy meals out with friends. But it's useful to have a strategy for how to approach that. So we talk about you know, banking your calorie intake Monday to Friday to allow for additional calories on the weekend. That's just one strategy that you may want to put in place. Um, but the more you know, the more strategies you have up your sleeve. So you've got complete flexibility and control over what approach you decide to take. Mm. Yeah, because the book definitely isn't a blueprint of, or a list of instructions, but rather guidelines that can be adjusted mm. to anyone's lifestyle, for sure. Mm. Um, well, if anyone wants to check out the, the topics and subtopics in the book, you can head to our website and um, check out the book there. And there's a little button to expand the chapters to see the subtopics within each chapter. Um, but I'm, I'm really proud of the impact that I, I think this book is going to have on people because um, certainly a neglected topic within the industry. It's not sexy. Ooh. It's hard to sell. No one comes to you asking how to maintain their results. They're asking you how to not feel so shit about themselves. Yes, That's not true. It is that? sexy because life after dieting for most people gets more difficult. But if you can get to your goal physique, mm -hmm. feel sexy. Mm -hmm. understand what life after dieting is going to be like, have the skills, have the tools. You can be sexy forever. 
well the thing right. is life gets better after dieting yeah because you've got the body that you want and you don't have to be so restricted like you yeah. can maintain that and increase all the other aspects of health that we're talking about so it actually gets more sexy really <laughs> yeah it I mean, should it should do shouldn't it the other cool <laughs> thing too, apart, like one of the things that people i like, don't think appreciate with the dieting aspect too like because it, it's it's a negative in that when you diet flavor senses drive up smell goes up like again, all of the yeah. things that most people fear but yeah fear and focus on right but when you actually know that they're normal the coolest thing about hitting a maintenance phase post diet phase to try and re-engage that as your new maintenance is food still tastes way better than what it did when you were uh, overweight mm. it still smells way better too and having the ability to control so some restraint for some freedom Man, it makes the whole process of eating out with friends more enjoyable when it's guilt free. It makes holidaying more enjoyable because you get to experience what they eat in different countries. Like, yeah, I think the problem with a lot of people, and I talk about this with dieting again with my clients, is that they fear hunger and they try and run as far away from like possible it's some as they sort can. of emergency. Yeah, yeah, or like it's a problem when in actual fact it's just normal. So yeah. it's the same in this weight maintenance phase. You're going to learn what a lot of the normal expectations that you should have are in the post dieting phase. And then you can enjoy being sexy forever. Yeah. Because <laughs> no one wants to feel guilty about eating something yum, do they? No, no way. It's, it's, that's Man, not cool at all. I'd love to talk about, uh, we're running out of time, so I'll leave it for another day, but I'd love to talk about orthorexia or the fear around food because it's such a huge one and I think it's um, something people are embarrassed about and they don't talk about it. Mm. And therefore, if no one's talking about it, they think no one else is suffering with those feelings uh, or that, that relationship with food. But as coaches who, you know, have a deep understanding of our clients' relationships with food, we know that it's very, very common. I would say more than half of my clients deal with a poor relationship with food where they label it as good and bad. And if I eat good food, I'm good. If I eat bad food, I'm bad. And this guilt and food hangover that comes with it. Um, so that'll be a good can of worms to open up at a later date. So, sure. um, Shan, now that you've... Uh had the the time to sort of go through this book multiple times and all the rest of it who do you think that this book is really going to hit home for i think it's going to be really helpful for someone who has tracked their macros has now reached a place where they're fairly happy with their body composition but they're struggling to let go of the macro tracking and finding the balance between allowing themselves to have a little bit more fun and enjoy their life i think what a lot of people don't realize is that you don't have to be stuck on diet calories forever. Mm. Yes, like metabolic adaptations occur. We talk about that through in the book as well. We talk about how to attenuate those adaptations. And most of those attenuations will occur through eating at maintenance levels, which means a little bit more food than what you were used to during the deficit because you're no longer in a deficit. You're maintaining a new current low body weight. Um, so I think that kind of fear of, oh, I can eat a little bit more, but I'm not quite sure how much I can eat. Um, and how can I do that without tracking? Like these are all common problems that people suffer with. And that's something that we aim to address in the book. Mm, yeah, awesome. I love it. Um, so I'm sure people are, are going to go check it out and it's going to be helpful for them. And if anyone does read the book, also it'll be available as an audio book. So you'll hear Shannon's, you're right, English Essex accent. accent. <laughs> Would you like a cup of tea? You definitely need to Essex it right up for at least 
just, just go ahead. So for those of you that don't feel like you have the time to read a whole book, it should only be what, like three and a half hours in total, the audiobook version. Yeah. But um, if you get the audiobook too, you are provided with the ebook anyway. Yeah, you so you're still yeah. going to get like, we've got heaps of graphics and stuff like that. And you can too. refer back to. Um, um, but anyways, my point being, if anyone does go through the book, either read it or the audio version, we'd love to hear your feedback. Um, about it, what you thought about it, how you found it helpful, how maybe you didn't find it helpful. Because, um, yeah, we would, we would love to hear from you. Mm. But, Shannon, moving on, we would like to ask you if you have something worth sharing that has nothing to do with Flex, or it could. Have you read something, listened to something, watched something that you want to share with the audience today? Yeah, I'm reading a fair bit. And something that a topic that's kind of interesting me at the moment is thinking about the way that we think. So why do we, um, you know, jump to conclusions? What biases are we subject to? And I've got a book here called Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel. That was on my list. I was yeah. on my list. Well, I will bring it with me to the Gold Coast so you can have it, so don't buy it. Um, but it's all about like different illusions that we're subject to. And I think the reason that I'm interested in this is because we know that there are, you know, there's so much misinformation out there. And it's difficult to be able to address every single diet or every single question or crappy documentary as they, you know, come up. So there's always going to be something new that, you know, some more bullshit around the corner. So if you can identify how to like why we fall for things like this um and how to identify your or make your way through the information that you're subject to i think that's part or one way that we can kind of help to solve all the the confusion out there so that would be one of my recommendations yeah cool. awesome love it so now we're going to ask you two questions that we asked alan cool and the first one just for those playing at home, we don't prepare our guests for these questions like some other no. podcasts do. We like <laughs> throw them down in the deep end and see if they can swim. So this is the first time okay. Shannon's hearing this question. Um, if you could solve just one mystery, it could be scientific, economic, whatever, what would it be? One mystery. Hmm. That's really hard. Yeah. I want to know what Alan said as well. Um, One mystery. Alan Tell me Alan's. Okay, Alan asked, which I said is not a mystery at all. I can give you the answer, mate. (laughs) Does God exist? He said, is God real? I'm like, I'm pretty sure science knows that. He actually out there super fast too. Yeah, he did. But he said it with this big smirk on his face, you know, like. I think he was trying to poke me. Yeah. I don't know. Um, my, I don't know, my, it's going to get a bit deep of why do people do things that, or why do people say things they don't mean? And then, yeah, I don't know. You're probably expecting a funny answer, but it, just because I'm thinking about the way people think, I'm like, why do people do stupid things? That's a mystery to me. I remember Shannon, a while ago, you told me that you just like, don't like even little lies. So for example, I, I think I asked you, so if I came home and I dyed my hair some really crap color and I was like, oh, what do you think, Shannon? You wouldn't say, oh, it looks great. Like you don't even believe in white lies. Mm. Um, no, like, yeah. I don't believe in being mean, but since you asked my opinion, I would just yeah. 
give you my opinion. Yeah. If you didn't want it, you would have yeah. asked for it. I think that's some <laughs> background. I feel like I've got I've gotten in trouble so many times for that. What? Like, but I'm not the one in the wrong. You asked. Like, <laughs> like it's, it's yeah. Good, and who's to say your opinion is worth anything anyway? Like, it's up to you. You deduce the meaning from things. It's up to you what you want to take. Yeah. From. There's a mystery question. Is like, how do we decide how much value we place on somebody's opinion? Because it's different yeah, for everyone. Yeah. You know, like somebody can say something to you, like, yeah, whatever. Somebody else says it, and you get super butthurt. Yeah. Well, we have a friend who overheard people bitching about her the other day. Mm. She doesn't really care about these people, but she's super upset about what these people said, which she has every right to be, and that's perfectly fine. But if I was her, I would just be like, huh, that's so funny that they think that. Like, you know, it's, it's up to you to, to be offended. But anyways, that's some background on, I think, why Shannon asked that question, because she doesn't believe in, in lying and saying things that she doesn't mean. <laughs> Which is a great, great value, I think. <laughs> All right, next question is, if you were arrested tomorrow with no explanation, what do you think your friends and family would think you got done for? Ooh, such cool. a goody goody uh, I don't know if it would no. be anything. Probably just because I travel so much, they think I've got done for smuggling drugs or something. Not because <laughs> I do that, but because I'm probably someone that you could target and dump stuff in my suitcase. And oh, I would know. Overstaying a visa? Pardon? Oh, overstaying a visa, yeah. Staying in Australia for too long. <laughs> say, so long as you don't travel with a boogie board, you'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> Should help. I'm trying to think of what I would think you did. Mm. Yeah, you talk I don't know. You're such a. When I say a, like a, a when I say goody goody, I don't mean like anything bad by it. I just mean that I couldn't imagine you breaking any huge rule. I reckon she would get done know. for doing a runner at a really nice restaurant when she realised the price. <laughs> when the price. Was I was actually forwarded. thinking along those lines. There's something to like, do. Holy shit, I can't afford my flight out of here. I'm going to get done for overstaying my visa. So I'm just going to do a runner and not pay for this $250 Wagyu steak that's only 100 grams and I'm still hungry from it. <laughs> but you never do a runner from the Japanese. Man, that is such no, a No, nice they're place. far too polite. Yeah. Um, <laughs> now, your would you rather, which we're going to ask every guest until the end of time. Yeah, until basically podcasts come up with rules and we get kicked off for being... <laughs> This, I'm, I'm pretty good at coming up with would you rather's on the spot. And just before this call, I was like, oh, what's Shannon's going to be? So I avoided any sexual one, which is really difficult because all I think about is like <laughs> jokes and like and stuff. <laughs> yeah. So would you rather have webbed fingers or no back teeth, top and bottom? <laughs> I wish people could see your face. <laughs> um, I would rather have no back teeth because i feel like that would be easier to hide than webbed fingers like what, what, how do you lift weights with webbed fingers <laughs> you'd be like an inverted essex girl and i could be in trouble for this one what you because instead of having no front teeth you'd have no back teeth <laughs> <laughs> sorry essexans hey um, i'm from queensland and I speak like a bogan sometimes. Dean says use, and uh, the team at Flex Success use a tool called Grammarly, which corrects our grammar. So if we use affect instead of effect, for example, we underline it. The other day I used the word you uh, are, so Y-O-U apostrophe R-E, and Grammarly asked me if I wanted to change it to use. 
Uh, no, Grammarly, I'm not a bogan, but thanks. What do you have it on? Do you have it on English? Yeah, it's, well, it's on Australian. Well, interestingly, just, just to sort of uh, defend myself here. Go on, mate. I would never formally write the word Y-O-U apostrophe S. Mm. That's unacceptable. But you are a bogan. So but I will happily say it in a conversation <laughs> because efficiency. Well, I would Hashtag wouldn't... efficiency. Okay, then. <laughs> I'm you denying don't. all affiliation with you. Yeah. <laughs> We're not you, married. What would you know? <laughs> oh, Dean, mate. <laughs> now, Shannon, how, I want to know, how would you chew a carrot? What do you mean? You've how would you chew it? You've got no back to yeah. yeah, oh, yeah. like You can't chew a carrot with a your rabbit. A rabbit is like... Oh, you, okay, well, you would have to chew it like a rabbit then. You'd have to go lengthways. She would kind gnaw of... it like Bugs Bunny <laughs> on the lenses. <laughs> 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 just eat it. And then put it in my you know how you would do it, Shannon? You get yourself a electric drill. You would mm -hmm. put the carrot into the drill piece, and then you would put it side onto your face, and you just pull the trigger, <laughs> and it would go around, and you just be like, and it just like bug bugs. Could be a party trick. All you'll be able to eat for the rest of your life will be corn on a cob, carrot, cucumber, soups, basically phallic items on a drill on a drill piece. <laughs> And soups. Are you regretting this decision yet? It no, turned out that this really question better. was very sexual. Really <laughs> it still got back to dick somehow. <laughs> good. Um, all right, so we'll wrap it up with where can we find you, Shannon? Yeah. Uh, you can find me over on probably Instagram, is probably the best place. So I'm on the Flex Instagram, which is just flex underscore success. Or my personal Instagram, which is Shannon Beer underscore, if you like seeing pictures of different places, different expensive restaurants around the world. <laughs> Hopefully not me in prison. Yeah, if you don't see an update, it's because I have actually been arrested. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. And you can check us out, as Shannon mentioned, on Instagram. We also have Facebook. We're on YouTube, not just posting podcasts, dick jokes, but also posting helpful content. We have a research review that you can sign up for. We've got our book. We do one-on-one -on -one consultations for people who aren't clients. Ooh. Check us out. Leave pick, us a message. Pick your platform. We're on all of them. Pick your Except platform. for Twitter. Because we're not Donald Trump. We don't want to be yeah. friends with Trump. I was going to say that. <laughs> Feature. <laughs> we might be on Twitter, but, you know, I think we've got enough info coming out there. We don't need Twitter. I anymore. can't say what I want to say in however many characters they want me to keep it to, so... <laughs> <laughs> too bad alright thanks for listening everyone until next time cheers see ya